Hi, everybody. This is Kyle from Sons of Technology. With everybody using Google Hangouts and Zoom and other programs as of late due to the school shutdowns across the country, there's a lot of lag time in this episode, and there's some different spots throughout the episode where it sounds like sentences were cut off mid-sentence and a little bit of garbling here and there, but it doesn't take away from the quality of the content of the episode. So please forgive us for the quality of the sound of it and enjoy episode 33, Assessment from a Distance. Thank you. Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the podcast by Sons of Technology. Kyle and I are here in the clubhouse to talk to you a little bit more about some more remote learning techniques. And today we want to talk about how are we assessing our students on their learning journey while they are learning from home. And now the the talk track that we're going to be using is is not assessing for grades. It's assessing them to ensure that they're hitting targets for what we would be teaching in class. Um, But now that they're gone, we want to make sure they're still hitting those learning targets. Once again, not for any grade, but just to make sure that they have the enrichment uh, from when they left the class until where they should be at the end of the school year. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Hopefully it's, it's something that you really want to be listening to. Today we have a really great group of educators because it's me and Kyle, right, Kyle? So, so I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself to start. All right, we'll do that first then. So this is Kyle Anderson, special education teacher from Northern Nevada. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech, Instagram Anderson EdTech, and then also for my book at To The Edge EDU, my book To The Edge successes and failures through risk-taking. Find out more on that at the website to theedgeedu.com. And then I also have my blog, andersonedtech.net. And you, my friend, Joe, are... Yes, I am Joe Marquez. I am an educator out of the Central Valley of California. And I am here as just a, a a person that really just loves education, right? So I used to be an educator uh, as an eighth grade science teacher, and now I'm an education strategist with a company called CDWG, which means I'm a TOSA for the entire West Coast of the United States, which I'll tell you, Kyle, when I first took this position, I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but it's been a joy meeting so many great educators just across this great nation. I mean, I'm just my eyes have been opened just to the amazement that education has, has progressed uh, since when we were in school. Yeah, I can only imagine what that whole position entails. So, because when you told me that that's what you were going to be going to do, um, I thought for a second, like, well, what, what, you're not working with teachers really anymore. Um, you're more of just a company kind of guy. But no, it turns out that you you really are working with teachers quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the number one thing I said when I took this position was, you know, it's not a sales rule. I'm not going to go out and try to sell anything. I'm going to help. Right. It's 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 I'm going to make sure that the technology that is being purchased is being utilized correctly and just collaborate with those teams to make sure that the enhancement of the classroom is actually uh, being utilized in, in a fashion that's really going to benefit the kids. So it's just been a real joy. I, I do miss the classroom. I, I, I miss uh, being with the kids. But everybody's in that position right now. Right, Kyle? Everybody's in the position of missing their kids because we're all in this really weird situation where everybody has to be working remotely from home. How has that been working for you, Kyle, since you are actually in the classroom or 
I guess, out of the classroom right now, but you're working with students in a virtual classroom. It's got its perks, but it's just really strange at the same time. So, I mean, the one perk is that I can sleep in until 6.55 and then be at my computer five minutes later. And I haven't had to set an alarm now for about two weeks because my body naturally, I wake up by the time I need to be up and ready. So that's the perk, but it's just really weird not being in the classroom. And then when I am speaking to the students, they're basically looking into my life. So uh, I'm recording this from my parents' place in Northern California, about three hours from where I live in Northern Nevada. Uh, we decided as a family to come kind of hole up here with my mom and dad and uh, you know be together as a family through this whole thing. So they're kind of taking a look into, well, my mom and dad's house a little bit when I've got them on camera and I'm seeing into their homes as well. And the one thing I'm getting a lot of is students talk about how bored they are and how much they actually miss being at school, which is something that for some of the kids that are saying that it really surprises me because these are students that typically when we're at school are not necessarily the most motivated students. And now they're talking about how much they're missing school. So it's starting to make me realize that how much we really took for granted what we had going on being in the school environment. And now it's been taken away from us, how we're having to deal with that. No, that's, and that's exactly what I've been hearing as well as students are saying, I, I miss my friends. I miss my teachers. I miss my school. So it really goes to show the impact that public education has on our students, right? And it, it really goes to show um, how, how uh, much of a mentor an educator can be towards a kid because you know, we, we see them every single day and, and we become almost like a family member to them. And when we're, when they don't get to see us, you know, and us don't get to see them, you know, there really is that big disconnect. So I really love the fact that I see a lot of educators utilizing their remote learning tools that we actually talked a little bit, bit about in our last episode, right? You know, the, 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 you know, the, synchronous face-to-face -face lesson deliveries like uh, Microsoft Teams or Google Hangouts or uh, uh, Zoom has become really popular. I've been seeing on Twitter. It's really important for those kids to be able to see each other and see us, see our faces to create that era of normalcy like we talked about in our last episode. I think that's the number one thing that we've been looking to do for our kids. But but I will say, Kyle, we, we can't just check in with them. Right. We, we I mean, because left to their own devices, they're really just going to be playing on their devices. Right. I mean, pun intended. I mean, they're going to be on their their cell phones. They're going to be on social media. They're going to be binging Netflix. I mean, they're going to be doing all those things. So they're going to get all this screen time that has nothing to do with education. So I think it's really important that we as educators put forth enrichment activities. And I say enrichment activities because we're not going to really grade them, but you are going to be assessing the students on seeing if they actually understand the material that you're pushing out. And I, I think it's very important for us to still deliver those things to students, give them something to do in an educational format so that they still have the, you know, they still have the skills and the training that they've learned since kindergarten on, on how to be a good student. I don't think we can, I don't think we can risk having kids be out of class from March all the way to the beginning of September or August. I don't think we can need to have connection and um, at least some kind of, I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now, assignments to give them so they have something to do and really work their brain. Where I'm at in Northern Nevada, my district here, we spent the first week after the initial situation went down here where it was just pretty much planning where we were trying to figure out what exactly was going on. We didn't have 
anything for the students at that point, and messages were sent home via auto dialer emails uh, through the media in the uh, newspaper and the television stations around town, things of that nature. Just letting the students know we're in the midst of uh, planning this whole thing out. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. And what we really scrambled to figure out, and I thought we did a really great job doing, is what exactly we did need to do in order to still provide an education, but not to overwhelm students or to give them something that they weren't going to be able to do. Because let's face it, there there's a digital equity gap that's out there. Some students don't have their internet at home. My students were one-to-one devices, but if all of a sudden a student has a broken laptop that they weren't able to get fixed at school before we went into this. So there's a lot of different things we had to address. So the idea was any activities that we're going to do, they need to be something that are going to enrich. It's going to be something that is going to address standards. It's not just going to be a bunch of fluff, but at the same time, it had to be something that students are going to be able to do, whether in the digital platform or if we were able to print them out and provide them to students by sending them home through the mail or having students come to the school at designated times and pick them up. And I thought my district did a really great job of doing this. So the big thing is that we're only requiring our students to do one assignment per week right now. Something that's going to address a variety of standards, whereas normally different activities, they may only address one thing. So these are going to have to be more of a blanket on different things. So just trying to address as much as we can and provide activities for students. But we're also told while this is going to be the assignment for the department, so of the six world history teachers, we're all assigning the same thing. But we still were allowed to put our own activities in there as enrichment. Things that the students could do, not for a grade, but just something that they could do if they were interested in learning more about the topic. So there's a lot of different things that many of us have provided as a result of that. And that's exactly what we're looking at today, right? We're looking at those enrichment activities to assess knowledge, not necessarily, once again, not for grades, but just to to make sure that we're giving their brains a workout, right? We just want to make sure that they, they're staying on, on point. They're not just wasting their entire time at treating this as a vacation. And and I, I 100% believe, you know, the kids need to be, you know, maybe reconnecting with their family, um, you know, may, maybe just reconnecting with themselves, but they still need some kind of guidance or something to do um, from us for them to, to, you know, make this time worthwhile for them. And I know some students probably wouldn't admit this, but they probably miss doing work. I mean, they say they miss school, they miss their friends, they miss their teachers, but I guarantee they miss doing kind of and so you know giving them some activity or some project is very important and and I think what you said Kyle is also extremely uh, important and that's um, making sure that those students who do not have access to technology is um, a differentiated um, way of presenting that uh, that project right you know by, by saying these are the things I want to, to know about um, and if you have a you know if you have a computer or technology you can do it these four or five different ways. if you don't you can do it these four or five different ways and so you know making sure that you're you know uh, allowing all students to be able to participate in an activity but it can be differentiated based upon um, haves and have-nots of devices at home well and something that we've talked about a lot on this program is that different things we try we try to get away from textbooks we try to get away from the hashtag big freaking packets 
and whatnot. But unfortunately, in a time like this, especially because it was brought on so suddenly and we weren't necessarily prepared for this, that's what a lot of us have to rely on right now, almost, where we've got different textbook activities. I know with my district, we have digital versions of the textbooks where there's different activities in the book and then the reading of the chapters and the sections and whatnot. We, we've been using those to provide and to supplement the activities that we are providing students. And uh, I know a lot of teachers, my, my daughter's teacher for one, got to us. Uh, she's in a different district and she's still technically on spring break as we're recording this. But when she starts up her digital learning, the teacher actually messaged and said, I would prefer to send home a packet, but we had to tell her that there's going to have to be some sort of online component because we're three, we're staying three hours away from school. So we're not, I'm not going to drive home in order to go get that only to come back here where I'm staying with my parents right now. So, so we do have to make some compromises at this time as well. So again, we, we've talked quite a bit on this show about how we're not huge fans of textbook work. We're not huge fans of, of packet work, but right now, because it's a lot easier to plan out, that's a, that's an option that a lot of people are relying on. And then again, it's a, a lot of times we're not looking to overwhelm our students. So, but there is a variety of ways that we can still provide those supplemental activities, those enrichment activities. And I'm just, I'm going to share the one that I put out right at the beginning of this past week here, had nothing to do with the content, had nothing to do with a grade. It was specifically only for me to connect with my students and give them a way to check in. And that's Flipgrid. Okay. I think we've talked about Flipgrid once or twice on this show. Hey, absolutely. So with that, I created one that I, I called it roll call, check in, how you feeling? And all it was, was just the students could come on, just record a short video, talk about what they're doing, how they're feeling during this time, um, just to kind of check in. And I was blown away at how many students actually came on and did that. They were, a lot of them were relieved to go on and just record a short video. I had, I had one uh, student talk about how she's going nuts in her house because she's stuck in there with her younger brothers and they're driving her nuts. And I had another one talking about how he can't stand the fact he has to stay home, that um, he's actually been doing yard work, something that he typically doesn't do because he just has to get out of the house. And But it was absolutely great to see these kids on these videos. And I went through every single one. I watched them, and then I replied with a video of my own too. And I, I've already got it set up for the following week. It's pretty much the same thing, but it's it, I just got a new topic just to distinguish between the weeks because part of it, with my district too, is there's an attendance component where students got to check in, whether it's through Google Classroom, a Google Meet, an email or whatever. I threw that Flipgrid out there too. Say, if you go on and make a video and check in with me on a video, I'm going to count that towards your attendance too. So it's just another way for them to be able to meet that attendance requirement. But it's, you know, if I can't see the kids face to face and ask them how their day's going, that Flipgrid has been a great way to connect with my kids so far. No, no, absolutely. And and, and also, I, I think one of the key components to that is that there's a Flipgrid app on phones, right? Because I'll tell you right now, there there may be a large um, uh, amount of students who don't have tech, uh, 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 laptops or Chromebooks at home, but I guarantee you they have a cell phone, right? At least them or their parents. And so being able to utilize tools that can be used on any kind of digital device to be able to do that, I think is very important. And I think that check-in is a great way to make that connection 
Uh, it's a great way for the kids to see each other, to see you. And I also think that would be a great way to, to, to ask maybe like the question of the week. And that could be their assignment. Hey, this is this is uh, something I want you to figure out. Uh, by the end of the week, I want you to have some kind of answer for it, any way that you want to show it. I think that Flipgrid's a great way of assessing if they understand that essential question for that one particular week. Absolutely. And it's something that you can use it in any subject area. In fact, I was just uh, going back and forth on Twitter earlier today where some PE teachers were looking to do some sort of video assignment where the students would record themselves doing some sort of physical activity. And the person on Twitter, it was Ryan O'Donnell, um, good friend of ours from the Check This Out podcast, asking about if Flipgrid would be a great option uh, for doing this. And and the answer in the beginning, it was the, the teachers were looking for something for upwards of a half an hour. And a lot of the response coming in was like, there's no way you should expect students to do a half an hour. And then it became, well, Flipgrid only does five minutes, but Flipgrid just announced here very, very recently, they actually expanded their time to 10 minutes on their platform to where now you can do 10 minute videos. But even then though, in this time that we're in right now, I feel that 10 minutes is still way too much to expect a student to do that. So you could easily get by with whatever activity you're going to do with under five minutes on that. In fact, when I did my little check-in activity, I set the timer at two minutes on it. So, because you, you just don't need to have much more than that, especially if they're just checking in and tell you how they're feeling, whatever. I had a couple kids that got to that two minute mark, but most of them, it was a quick 30 seconds to 45 seconds at most, just talking about how they were doing real quick. So, but um, if you needed that 10 minutes, yeah, Flipgrid has that now. So, and then the other thing that's beautiful about that is whatever activity you're doing, it doesn't necessarily have to be a video all straight in one shot. They have the shorts aspect in Flipgrid where the kids or the teachers can record short clips and then edit them and piece them together in Flipgrid in order to make whatever video they're trying to do. So there's all sorts of things you can do with that program. And I feel like every episode we talk about that program in one shape or form. And uh, there's a reason we do because it's such a phenomenal program. No, I mean, absolutely. Anybody who's listening that wants to know a little bit more about everything Flipgrid could do, we do have a video on everything you can do with the new Flipgrid camera and new Flipgrid tools on our Sons of Technology YouTube channel. So go ahead and check that out. It's a lot of cool things that you can do absolutely in Flipgrid because they're really becoming almost an editing software uh, for videos, right? It's not just a record and stop anymore. It's record, think about it, record, you can, and then swap those for, from become a really showcase things. And, and now with the ability of bringing, they call them stickers. Um, I put that once again, air quotes, but it's just an image into Flipgrid and then talk of the things that I love to do. Have stu- I love to create templates in, um, and then uh, download it as a J uploader to Flipgrid. And then they talk about it to the entirety of the group. So now you're really expanding what Flipgrid can do. And I know one of the things I've asked Flipgrid to do for the longest time is to have like kind of like a screencastify, but this is the next best option. If you want to talk about something you've done on the computer, all you got to do is save it as an image and upgrade as as a sticker and you got it. Um, it's really phenomenal. And what I've seen some teachers do is they'll take a paragraph of text that they really want the kids to read and they'll hand that out via Google Classroom, the image, and then upload it to Flipgrid and then talk about underline it and really dive deep into that paragraph. It's become a really great tool for visual learning. And and I, I really encourage people to really take another look at it. If, if all you think it is is a video response tool, so much more than that. 
Well, I mean, we could spend the entire episode just talking about different things you can do with Flipgrid, but there's a lot of other great tools that are out there as well that you can use for enrichment as well. So, and it's something that uh, I was digging into the other day when we were starting to plan out our next week's assignment, we were looking at doing an assignment uh, regarding the Holocaust and the the department heads was suggesting that here, let's dump all this stuff into Google Classroom and then we'll kind of pick some stuff out and build the assignment. And then if you want, again, use whatever you want for enrichment. And uh, the one thing I kind of stumbled across when I was doing some quick Google searches was there was a, an entire section in the Google Arts and Culture about the Holocaust. So just the resources on the Holocaust that were available there, they had interviews with Holocaust survivors. They had audio stories where people were voicing over images, uh, basically talking about, I remember this when I was there. And this is where I watched this happen when I was interned in the camp and, and so on and so forth. So there was just so many great things. And, and that was just on the Holocaust. I mean, regardless of what subject you teach, there is going to be something under Google Arts and Culture that you can find that can supplement your materials. And, and again, not necessarily for a grade, just something that if you're studying, in my case, we're, we're doing the Holocaust, put that in there as a supplement for those students that are interested in learning more about it. No, absolutely. I mean, go, go, I, I think one of the most amazing parts to me when I first stumbled across Google Arts and Culture is when I brought up a image of uh, Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. In, and then zoom in. And then and let me in, like, almost direct. I could see the canvas behind the paint, and I could see the paint coming up like a mountain out of the canvas. It was, it, you could really see kind of like the, the, the way it was acting while he stroked it onto the canvas. It's a, that, it's a great, and right now it's a great thing to be able to showcase to kids to take them on virtual fields when they're sitting at home. A great to be able to take them on tours of museums, uh, tours of different um, things like the Holocaust or the Civil War. It's a great place to really immerse these kids into the lesson. Um, and, and now that we have more time to do some of these things, really just offering it to kids, hey, here's a link, try it out, right? Go ahead if you want to or not. And then if you did do it, Go on to Flipgrid and tell me what you thought of your experience. What did you know? What do you know now that you did? Great way to really app smash a couple different things with a variety of different tools. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just again, just a phenomenal tool, Google Arts and Culture. So, and and like you said, now that there's a little bit more time, it gives you more time to explore on your own, and then using something like Google Classroom or Schoology or some other form of LMS, you can get that out to your students as a great enrichment activity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then there's two you probably have used in the classroom uh, when you're face-to-face that can still be used um, in this or remote learning format, like quizzes. Quizzes is a great way, uh, you know, Q-U-I-Z-I-Z-Z, quiz is, it's a great way to assess kids in a gamified fashion. And in fact, um, uh, we, we came up with a hack, uh, Kyle, uh, where um, through a GORM, um, you can throw out a question to the kids and they can come up with a question, four possible answers, choose the one which is correct. In a matter of minutes, you have a whole class created that the kids made in a dis- one of our Sons of Technology members, Amanda Sandoval. Um, so um, and that's just to, to kind of flip on its head what quizzes it, it was truly meant, meant to do, where it was you create the quiz, the kids take it. Now the, qu- the kids create the quiz and they also take it. Great way to kind of flip the script on that on that tool. Yeah, I mean, I've been using quizzes for a long time now, and I've really embraced uh, the Edge of Protocol, the Fast and the Curious, using quizzes. And before, when we were in the regular classroom, I was 
doing it in class. And then I was posting a practice link in Google Classroom that students could use on their own time whenever they wanted to, to practice our vocab in order to build it up and learn everything else that we were covering better just because they knew the academic and the content vocabulary. Well, that doesn't change now that we're remote learning. So that link to World War II vocab that I posted in there the week before we went into this uh, school lockdown situation, that's still in Google Classroom. That is still there that the students can access where they can go on and play that game. They can go on and learn the vocab and play the game that I set up in there. And then I build on it as well by having the students create the flashcards for the vocab as well that the quizzes and then eventually their unit assessment covers. We built them in Pear Deck using Flashcard Factory where I gave them the definitions and the terms. They rewrote the definitions into friendly words and then provided the image to it. Once we created those cards in class, then I exported it to GimKit and we were playing uh, versions of GimKit using those cards before we went into hiatus. Guess what? Those things are still in Google Classroom where right now we're covering World War II. Those kids can still access those things and still have some fun with that stuff as an enrichment activity. I, I think it, it was Quizlet. Quizlet is what uh, uh, GimKit used to pull from. And I, I think uh, Quizlet said no more. And they were looking for another way to pull things in. And Paradex's like, hey, let's team up. Let's do it. And it's a great, a great pairing. Um, and so, yeah, GimKit's another great gamified assessment that can be done. And then uh, Pear Deck is, is not only great for the flashcard factory, Kyle, but it's also great um, for, um, you know, a slide and then assess them after each, each uh, a non-lecture lecture, I guess you can say. Right. So we, there was some talk before we were planning on what our assignment was going to be. Um, I, I have a student teacher right now, and uh, so this is an interesting situation for her where her student teaching is remote. And uh, uh, it's either going to be a great experience for her or when she gets into a regular classroom, she's going to struggle in the beginning because she's not going to know really how to handle uh, an actual like in-person class because we've been remote for pretty much her whole assignment so far. But she and I were talking beforehand about taking a presentation that she had created on the causes of World War II. She had turned it into a pair deck had some activities in there with some multiple choice, some drawing slides, some draggables, some different things that Pear Deck features. And she asked, is there any way that the kids can still do this? And I said, absolutely they can because Pear Deck gives the option to turn on student pace mode where you can assign the deck that with all the activities like you would with Pear Deck, but instead of the teacher controlling it, the students do it at their own pace and it still saves all their answers on the interactive slides. And then the teacher can go back and assess how the students are doing with that. So, and then provide other enrichment activities if they had to. So now while we didn't end up doing anything with that pair deck right now, just because with, again, we, we just don't want to overwhelm students right now. That's an option for teachers out there where if they really have some information that they want to get out to the students and they know that if they were in person, they were probably going to use pair deck to do that. You still can, you just got to do it in student pace mode and then post that into Google Classroom, Schoology, Canvas, whatever it is that you're using, post it out there to the students, and then the students can access it in that fashion. Yeah, you know, and and um, you know, I love Pear Deck. You know, you 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 build your slide deck from Google uh, Google Slides, and then you can uh, add your things right out of that. I also love Nearpod. Right, we did an episode before the Versus episode. That was the first one we ever did was on Pear Deck versus Nearpod, and the consensus was they're both good. 
right? It's whatever you, whatever you're most comfortable using, use it. Like I, I, I started using Nearpod first, for, you know, back in uh, 2014, and um, I, I found it to be just a great, phenomenal tool to push out a slide deck and then can kind of control the screen. Um, but just like Pear Deck did, you know, you now have homework or student pace mode to allow that to happen. And and I think one of the things that teachers um, have a hard time wrapping their head around is the delivery of a lesson, right? You have the synchronous versus asynchronous and, and it, everybody's in this synchronous mode. Like if I'm going to present to the students, I have to be doing it live. So I have to use Zoom and they have to join and I have to share my slide deck. And that's not really you can create your slide deck um, and can do this, but I know in Nearpod you can, you can add slide and then have a after each slide. And then in, in Nearpod, there's uh, also a thing, uh, activity called, which is very similar to a Padlet. And the kids can go in and leave their thoughts and ideas kind of like a little post-it note. And this can all be done in student pay. So all the kids can be doing it when do it, when they can make it. And so it's you to push out a lesson and allows the kids to choose the time that they have enough time to do the lesson, not liking a time they have to join. Now, Paradeck doesn't have the, the voice instructions that like built right into Pear Deck, but, but a workaround with that or a hack that we like to say is that Google Slides adds you to insert audio now at this point. Yep. And since you're building your Pear Deck lessons in Google Slides anyway, you can record your audio tracks of instructions or clarifying uh, conversation. Well, top of my head right now are Screencastify, where you can uh, re record something and then rip the audio from it. Or there's also Screencast-O-Matic, which is web-based. Um, instead of the extension like Screencastify. So I use Snagit in, uh, with my computer. It's a paid program, but for, for an educator license, it's only $30, and that that's good for life. I think there's a small fee if you want to upgrade uh, when they release their new version every year, but uh, I'm fortunate that I'm part of the the TechSmith, um, oh, I'm, try I'm trying to think what it's called right now. Either way, I get free upgrades of Camtasia and Snagit every year, uh, being part of this uh, influencer group or whatever. So, um, And then the Camtasia is something you could use too. That one's pricier. That one, I think, for the educator discount, it works out to like $169. But And that one's more of a video creation tool. And I mean, that's what we use when we record these episodes where right now you and I, we talk over Google Hangout and then I record the screen. And then I edit everything in Camtasia. I rip the audio from it, and then we publish them from there. But uh, when I was, for the short time I was doing my video blog, uh, that's what I was using was Camtasia. So there's a lot of different there's a lot of different tools out there, but the 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 big ones for sure that are free and easy to use. Screencast-O-Matic on the web, and then Screencastify has the Google Chrome extension. Yep, absolutely, and and that's what I would have said as well because you know in in uh, in February, Screencastify released all those new features for the free version, where now it's unlimited recordings and um, the uh, you can like you said rip just the audio, turn it into a GIF, and do all the cool things now. And so yeah, that would be my best bet to include audio in any Google slide would be to uh, record that in Screencastify and then download just the audio and insert it. That's the best way that I can think of. So we're on that we're same wavelength, Kyle. Same wavelength. Yeah. There's another one I used a few years ago. I'm trying to see if it's still around, but it was something called Vocaroo, where it was an audio-only thing where you you could record. And it's been a long time since I've used it. So, And my computer right now is uh, not pulling it up is in the fashion that I want it to. But um, that was another one that came up uh, when we were talking about this. So but um, it's a V-O-C-A-R-O-O, -O, if I remember right. So if it happens to come up here, 
Um, oh, it, here it is. It's coming up right now. Quick and easy way to share voice messages over the interwebs is what it says. It's an online voice recorder. So so that's another one that you could possibly check out that might be even even better than the Screencast Mag or Screencastify because it's audio only and it's not you're not having to rip it from the video at all. Oh, very nice. I, I used to use one called Talk and Comment. It was an extension, uh, and then it would give you a link. And when you actually posted the link in any Google comment, it would turn into a play button. Um, but the the downside to it was um, when you weren't using it, it would slow. So I stopped. I stopped um, sharing it because too many people were. Oh, it, my computer's super slow now. Why? It, it was because of that Talk and Comment um, tool. But uh, it was it was great for uh, what it could do before it started slowing everything down. Well, and Joe, now that um, I've been, I was looking at my extensions uh, here too. Another great one that we've talked about on here before. We're talking about pushing out enrichment activities. You can push out a whole boatload of enrichment activities in one place through one of our favorite tools, and that's Wakelet. Oh yeah, Wakelet. Wakelet is great. People, you know, I I always. Uh you know, tell people about Wakelet and they, they think, oh, you, it's that web curation tool, but it's so much more, right? It's like when you tell people, hey, I love Flipgrid. Oh, they go, oh, you mean the the uh, the video response tool? Like, wait, no, it's so much more as their web pages, right? Because it, it, it's, it allows for such an immersive experience um, in there. So yeah, any, if you've never used Wakelet before, anybody listening, definitely check it out. Great tool. And it has uh, Flipgrid incorporated into it. So that's a really cool feature as well. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you can incorporate just about anything into it. You mentioned Flipgrid, and, and you don't even have to leave the Wakelet collection to record a Flipgrid video. You can do it right in the uh, program there. But this is a place where you can compile YouTube lists. You can um, Google Docs, slides, Microsoft files can be added there, images, websites. I mean, you name it, you can put together an entire collection of different things for enrichment activities and just house them in one place. So when you post it in, say, Google Classroom, instead of having a list of 10, 12 things, you can have that one Wakelet link that's there. They click on that, and it's all right there in one spot rather than the list of things in Google Classroom. No, absolutely. And it's it's actually a really great communication tool as well. I, I actually started using Wakelet for my state of the classroom address. And so I would use the Flipgrid record. I would record a video uh, under one minute that explained what the kids were doing this week, uh, what they needed to turn in, and what we're going to be doing next week. And then underneath, I would include some resources that would help parents out. And so every week, parents would only have to go to my Wakelet. At the very top would be the newest state of the classroom. They'd hit play. They'd hear a quick synopsis, and they were good to go. And parents were really appreciative of that because they didn't have to go to tons of different going on in their classroom. And it was under a minute, and they got the gist of everything. Yeah, there's so many different things you can yep. do with Wakelet. It's just uh, re really, if you if you can think it, Wakelet can probably do it. That's the beautiful thing about it. So, and another great tool that we've mentioned it before, but this one we don't mention as often is that it probably deserves, and that's Edpuzzle. Yeah, ab ab absolutely, Edpuzzle. And and you know what would be great? I mean, it's it's Edpuzzle, uh, and all you have to do like about synchronous versus asynchronous lesson delivery. If if you Zoom or you try to do something and you two that's showing up, don't right. Just make recording that Zoom, and add the, take that Zoom and upload it to Edpo, and then add some questions, and then just send it out to the group saying, "Hey, this was the uh, the live lesson you missed. Um, go ahead and uh, sit at your leisure. There's some quick questions in between just to check to see if you understand. What I'm talking about, have a great week. So it's free, but produced in an asynchronous fashion. Yeah, and for those that don't aren't really familiar with that puzzle, what this is, this is a program that you take videos, YouTube, really any video from the from the internet you can uh, use in there, and um, 
you basically add questions to it. Like you said, where you can have the video stop at a certain point. You can ask a multiple choice or a short answer question. Or I like to throw in there just it stops. And then I put a thing in there, whether uh, a typed out uh, explanation of what the video just talked about. Or you can actually record your own voice in there. So what I'll do in Edpuzzle sometimes is at the very beginning, I'll have it stop like a second in when it's still on the title screen. And then I'll have my my voice instructions. This is what the video is about. This is what you're going to do. This is what you should expect during this. Have fun. And then it goes in to the video. So it stops automatically and it makes the student do the activity or read the, read the instruction or whatever it may be before you move onward. So this is another great one where if you're studying, say, for example, yep. the Holocaust again, I could find a video uh, from YouTube that is some aspect of the Holocaust, and then I can add questions to it and add that as an enrichment. But some people are like, well, I already am just swamped with everything going on. Have no fear. Edpuzzle, you can go in and basically steal someone else's. You find a video, somebody is already set up with the questions, you can basically copy it to your own account and push that out. So... Uh, I mean, I always go through and double check to make sure all the questions are good. So I have come across ones where the questions had the wrong answer on them. So I've gone in and fixed those. But I mean, you can save yourself a boatload of time by just going into Edpuzzle's archives and finding something that somebody already took care of. So especially if you're looking at just using, say, the crash course videos, whether it's crash course history, crash course economics, uh, biology, whatever it may be, there's when you type crash course, say, government in, there's already 50 people have already taken care of that for you. So you can really easily save yourself some time. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, Crash Course is great. I watch it just to learn things because they do it in such a great entertaining fashion. And, and you know, a lot of people, you know, are, are discovering Edpuzzle in this uh, remote learning environment. But I used to use it all the time in my classroom tradition as the way that I would show every video. Right. Because, you know, what is the problem with the video? It's we don't know if they are, are listening to the parts we know are important and we don't know if the kids um, know how to answer solves. And so like if, if I know a part is coming up um, on a video that what you did, I would use that voice note, whatever you're doing, stop a minute. So make you're listening Two, for a fact they would be listening to. So that's the perfect way to make video uh, for our kids. Well, and when we were in the classroom still before all this went down, I was using Edpuzzle in lieu of just showing the videos in class because it was a, it gave the students the opportunity that some kids they just can't keep up when when like remember the traditional way of you know when we were in elementary school middle school back in the day Joe when you'd walk in and you saw where the teacher had rolled in the TV cart with the VCR and you knew it was video day and or or they had the fancy one with laser disc or right? the laser disc yes so or when I was in elementary school there was also the old uh, slide projector where the tape would play and there would be a beep and the teacher would have to click the button around. But but we digress. But some kids, when all of a sudden that that's about, the teacher says, I need you to take some notes, write down a few things as this video is playing or answer these questions as you go. Some students can't keep up with that. So I was actually assigning it through Google Classroom and having students take their headphones out and watch the video on their own if I wanted them to do something like that. And then I had the questions plugged in there rather than relying on them to either do their own notes or having a paper set of questions or something like that. And then they even rolled out like a in-person class version of it to where the video would stop if you were projecting it to the whole class and then you could talk it out as a class. We did that a couple times 
and it was pretty fun. But but now again with this remote environment that we're in now, this is a great way to push out some enrichment activities and have students really get into the content of a video in a in an enriching and um, meaningful way. And and there's actually another uh, video tool called Vialogs. And what this allows you to do is say, kind of the same thing as Edpuzzle, except um, you could you could throw in some questions, but I don't use it for that thing. There is a chat off to the side while the video is playing, but if they're not all watching it at the same time. It's like whenever they hit play, that's when it starts. And so the chat happens by timestamp. And so the kids can actually go in and be like, oh, that's interesting. So, I, you know, I, oh, I'm going to type this note. And so as the kids are watching at that part, they'll then see that show up. And so you can have this asynchronous conversation or insight um, with all the kids watching it. And so now, you know, with all the watch the same video, still see each other's thoughts and comments off to the side, but they're not chatting in real time to distract themselves. So it's a really neat tool. Um, it, it's still very, it's still kind of buggy. It's still in the beta stage, but it's a really great tool to have collaborative conversations during a video. So, well, kind of like what we were talking about earlier about how right now is not a time that we really want to overwhelm our students with a lot of activity and everything, I kind of feel the same way about our listeners. I mean, we've talked about so many great things right now uh, with everything that I, I just don't want to overwhelm our, our listeners. So I know this, we typically go a little bit longer in this, but we decided ahead of time that we were going to shorten it up a little bit this week just to honor the time that our listeners have and again, not to overwhelm them. So are there any other last minute ones that we absolutely need to throw in though real quick? Oh, well, you know, I would say if we right? have them just go once a one-stop shop, boom. Google Cloud to have kids communicate with each other. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? What would you throw out there? Well, I'm kind of just building off the Google Classroom question. That's a Google form. So if, if you've got more than one question that you wanted to ask them about, and again, throw some stuff out there that has nothing to do with the content. Just you know, ask ask the kids how their day's going. What what have they learned that is not school related during this time? How are they feeling about what's going on? If it requires more than just what the Google Classroom question can do. Stick a Google form in there real quick and, you know, just something real quick. It's going to collect all the responses for you and just a real quick, easy way to get a little bit of feedback from your students. And then if they want to, th if you want to have them throw a picture in or something like that, they can upload a file into the form questions as well. So, yeah, so that, that's really my big one. You shouldn't try something. You go, when, when we do get back to the classroom, we don't lose track of all these, they can still be done in a phase to this whole situation. It's the hear people say, Oh, we're, this is the way we've always done things. Always done things because this gonna break that comment. Because we're trying things, we've been successes. We're gonna see grow. We're gonna see teachers get frustrated. We're gonna see teachers find new things that they're gonna learn. But the great thing about it is, break that term, break that sentence. This is the way we've always done things because it doesn't have to be that way. And even though we're doing this, you know, maybe you're doing this not by your own accord, but because you have to. Realize you can do it. You can do it if you just keep your eyes on the prize and make sure you understand it's all about students. It's all about learning outcomes and it's all about making that connection, right? Whether you're face-to-face -face or remote. And so Kyle, what would you say to our fellow listeners uh, at the end of this episode? I would say most importantly, uh, you know, being, besides being there for your students, being there for your colleagues, be there for yourself, be, be safe, practice the social distancing that is being urged. Um, but at the same time, get outside every now and then. I know I've been trying to break my days up by just getting on my bike and going around the block real quick has done wonders for me after sitting staring at a computer for three hours. Take care of yourself, okay? And if you start to feel sick, you know, pull yourself back, take a break, 
any everything can wait. Your health is more important than anything. Your family's health is more important than anything. So do those things. We're all going to get through this together, whether this is over in a week, whether it's it takes us nine months to get through this whole deal. We're going to get through this together. And, and honestly, because I'm trying to be the everlasting optimist about this whole situation, we're all going to be better when this is done on top of that. Absolutely. And in closing, I want to say this. We never let fear stand in our way. So don't let fear stand in the way of what makes you amazing. Because in times of struggle, you are going to rise up and overcome any obstacle that stands in your way in these next few weeks. And remember that determination, persistence, and perseverance, these are all words which describe have determination to do everything you can to make this experience great for your kids. Persistence to make sure the tools that you try, you're going to keep trying to make things work for your kids. And you're going to have perseverance for when things don't work, you're going to overcome those. Because we will all overcome what we are all in because we will always work together. Teaching, as I've always said, and when we all work together, we all. Thank you so much for everything you do on a daily basis for your kids. Thank you for everything to make every day benefit. Amazing, innovative. It's that fear 